Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, sweet one. I hope your day was great. And now it's time to fall asleep with a good story. And as promised, here's chapter four of the fun of being a fat man. About this reducing business, how would you feel? If you were a fat man, and every day, frequently, many times a day, people kept asking you questions like, what are you going to do to reduce? And why don't you exercise more? Have you tried dieting? Have you read Eat and Grow Thin? I'm going to send you a copy. Did you ever try fletchercising your food? Have you ever heard about the gland cure for reducing? Why don't you take up golf? Oftentimes, you'd be tempted to ask them where they got the mistaken idea that you actually want to reduce. It would be on the tip of your tongue to come back with some equally insulting questions about their baldness. The truth of the matter is... I have known a lot of fat men who try to reduce. Most of them are dead now. Of the other fat men of my acquaintance who succeeded in reducing and have managed to escape the death penalty, most of them seem somehow to have had their genial characteristics entirely transformed, causing me to wonder if they get as much joy out of life as they did when they were fat. There is, for instance, my friend Sam, once a rotund jester. Wherever he went, he was the center of a laughing circle, listening to his funny stories, forever seeing the funny side of life. He is reduced now, or has been reduced, to a mere health hypochondriac, thinking more things not to eat than of witty things to say, and forever worrying about his own and his nation's waistline. And then there is my friend Herb, once as gallant and merry as any man could ever be, but by his reducing propaganda into taking off a lot of weight and sobbing mournfully through the whole book about it. There, too, is the merry fat man Don, actually scared by the reductionist into eating spinach. Spinach. Ugh. Even the doctor's grave statements about the necessity of reducing thus far have failed to alarm me. Whenever a doctor does not know exactly what it is that ails a patient, and that is about 90% of the time, Invariably, he falls back on the pattern that they all teach 
young medicos in the primary class, says he, looking wise. You're quite a bit overweight. The first thing you should do is take off a few pounds by diet and exercise. Bread pills, that is all it is. Everyone knows, even a doctor, that if you can get a patient's mind off his troubles, if you can get him to thinking less about himself, he'll be better off. That's the real reason why the doctors try to divert the patient's mind, why they have to try to divert his attention to playing golf and eating spinach. They know that he will have less time than to think about his headaches and backaches, and once people quit thinking about their ailments, they have a way of vanishing. Doctor or no doctor, as a matter of fact, no physician really believes that the fat boy in a boarding school tries to make it out to be. Look at the facts yourself. Consider all the pains they take to fatten up babies and keep them that way. And when a doctor discovers that a patient has tuberculosis, what is the first thing he invariably does? He starts to fatten them up in order that he may have more resistance to oppose the disease. Fat is nature's reserve, stored up against the time when you will need it. So when your waistline begins to increase, don't worry about it. Just be thankful that you are a normal person and that old dame nature is taking good care of you. But despite my belief in fat, many years of unsolicited advice has made me willy-nilly an authority on reducing. There are only three ways by which it can be done. First, by medicines. Second, by dieting. Third, by exercise. And all the foolish people who try to reduce, those who attempt to take off the necessity of reducing the most foolish, any medicine powerful enough to take off fat is sure to derange the entire system and more than likely leave you an invalid for the rest of your life. As for these advertised patent medicines that take off 10 pounds in 20 days, leave them strictly alone. You can make up your mind to one of two things, and generally to both of them. Either the statement is a lie, or the medicine is too dangerous to monkey with. So cutting out the patent medicines and the quack doctors... There are two legitimate ways left, diet and exercise. The trouble with the diet is that they foolishly attempt to standardize the whole human race, something that even its creator has never attempted. They reduce living to long tables of proteins and carbohydrates and fats and then attempt to fit everyone into it, making no allowances whatsoever for the idiosyncrasies of the individual. Yet each person in the world is absolutely different from every other person. Take a bunch of growing boys in a boarding school. 
feed them exactly the same diet. Some of them will get fat on it, and others will not. Some people are naturally meat eaters, and others get along very well with only a vegetable diet. There are persons with a predisposition to fat, and others whom nothing in the world could fatten them up. There are persons who cannot digest milk, and others who cannot eat strawberries. But none of these things your ardent dietitian takes into account. He looks at his tables, his proteins, his carbohydrates, and his fats, and he measures your height and asks for your age. And then he says, To be healthy, you should eat 64 proteins, 68 carbohydrates, and 424 fats. There are a lot of things about the human system to take into account up besides the digestive tract. A blonde giant descended from the Nordic stock with an inheritance of centuries of meat-eaters behind him cannot be weighed in the same diet scale as a squaw brunette from the South. Someday, perhaps, when the scientists have studied deeper into the effects of heredity on diet, when they have succeeded in psychoanalyzing foods, likes, and dislikes, when they have really found out what all the little glands in the body are for, they may be able to lay down scientific laws of diet for each individual. But the time is not yet. Mr. Jones of the Fat Jones family, by strict dieting, may be temporarily reduced in weight, but not one year will be added to his allotted span of life, and the chances are he will find life far drearier and less enjoyable than if he had never dieted. And the minute he quits, his limited schedule of proteins and carbohydrates and fats will come back all of the fat that his ancestry intended him to have. Nor will exercise avail a man whom nature intended to be fat. It is true that by violent muscular movements, by handfall and tennis, he may temporarily keep down his weight. But the minute he stops his exercising, back it will all come. And in exercise lies unsuspected perils, even greater than those that come from too big of a waistline. When a man has reached middle age without ever having exercised and suddenly takes up gymnastics or golf, he is all too apt to overdo. His heart and his lungs and other organs long accustomed to sedentary habit of life all of a sudden called upon to do strenuous duty cannot stand the strain. Hardly a week passes that I do not read of some middle-aged man dropping dead on the golf course. I know what ailed them. Someone had persuaded them that they ought to reduce. And that is where we'll end tonight. Next week is Chapter 5 on how to get fat. In the meantime... Sleep well.
and enjoy the rest of your week. Good night.